0: Barbecues are passion, and that's just what you'll get. Where the Ken Burns is a barbecue, Where Tales from the Pits.
1: Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This happens to be Brian.
0: And this might be Andrew.
1: And we are in the studios tonight, today.
0: Yeah, we're at my dining room table.
1: And we're doing the episode that people have asked us about, multiple people have, and we've really waited. It's been three years. We've waited to do this because we really want to make sure that we're doing it right. To be honest, we do, We try not to talk about things that we really don't know about, although we do sometimes. Um, but, but this is one that that's near and dear to our hearts.
0: Yeah. We're going to go into a bit about, uh, well, today's going to be drinks and links because uh, drinks and links, drinks and links. Cause we've got a little bit of Blanton's gold here in our glasses and, uh, and we've got a lot of sausage talk on today's episode. Sausage
1: talk. I think that's a different kind of podcast. Um, and don't forget that our vineyards are protected by nature.
0: <laughs> that's another story for another yeah. time that we might get into in this episode. But yes, uh, we we did an episode way back in the day, episode number 37. I think we're at 120 or so now, uh, where we did tips on cooking ribs and you mean well rib tips? Rib tips, hey, rib tips, and tips on cooking ribs could be the same thing, could be something different, but tri tips. Either way, that's a whole different thing. Sausage is something that Brian and I have been studying, trying, cooking, exploring it for a long time.
1: My my whole experience with barbecue was really started with sausage, and and my family. Uh, at the farm, out of Taylor, we, we would always have sausage. And that was that was the thing. It wasn't brisket. We didn't, I mean, I've eaten brisket. I born and raised in Texas. I have to push that on Andrew every once in a while. But, but to me, it was always sausage. And sausage was special to me in many ways. Um, and so it, the craft, it, it's, it, my, my boss at work, which is unrelated to barbecue at all, but he uses the phrase, an art and a science, a lot. And there's nothing more in barbecue that could relate to that than sausage it's it's truly an art and a science
0: yeah and it's something we got interested in both individually and together through our travels and barbecue a long time ago uh, our very first pop-ups we we hadn't really gotten the confidence to start making our own sausage yet at that time but we knew we didn't want to serve just your run-of-the-mill Eckridge farm sausage our first couple of po- uh, pop-ups were using kreitz market sausage where brian was literally driving to kreitz <laughs> buying sausage and that would be what we would smoke for the pop-ups and then it was probably two or three pop-ups in before we started doing our own sausage and then from there it's just been a head first dive into it and then brian it's
1: kind of scary to get into it because yeah number one you don't want to kill your you don't want to kill your customers um and and health food safety is huge in sausage and you know you it's a long process and there's times in and out of the fridge and so it's it's very scary to get into and we're not talking about cured sausages or summer sausages, which is okay, but it's still, it still can be dangerous. I mean, it's not the same thing as taking a piece of meat and just throwing it on the pit.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of things in Texas barbecue are cooked well, to the, you know, well past the point of what restaurants we consider well done. I mean, brisket is not cooked to 165, which is the well-done portion of beef. You know, brisket's cooked well beyond that, 30, 40 degrees plus beyond that mark sausage you do cook more to a a health safety standard and sausage is something that we both really wanted to to get more knowledge on as far as especially smoked sausages barbecue sausages and and right off the bat you know i want to give brian a ton of credit on this brian has dove headfirst into this more than almost anyone i've seen i don't do that with anything
1: else. (laughs) (laughs) i have no hobbies that i get into if if, if
0: you know brian at all you know brian uh Gets very passionate about the things that he's interested in and dives really deep into them. But Brian also dives really deep into a lot of things, so it's hard to get him pegged down into anything. Really hard. But but sausage is something that I've watched you get super passionate about. You've bought so much equipment, so you know, and so many research materials into sausage and
1: and talking to a lot of people. yeah, Yeah, lots of credit to people. I mean, very early on, people like John Miller and John Brotherton. Um, really gave me a lot of good information and, and good background um, and then getting the right equipment and, and going to the a and creative sausage making class. I mean, I didn't do that until I, th- I think it was more than say it may have been a year and a half after we started making sausage before I went to the class. Um, and, and kudos to my wife for buying that as a Christmas gift. Um, but it, it's, it's a very important thing to go to for me because it was truly hands-on. It's different than the other classes at a and um, But it wasn't something that I wanted to half-ass do. I mean, I'll be very frank. It, it, no pun intended. Oh, I like that. Ah, uh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but but seriously, and not seriously, but, it, it, you know, I, I didn't want to just throw some meat into a casing and call it sausage. I wanted to do it right. And I wanted to innovate and create. And and it became an outlet for things that we did. And, and it was so great for us, you know, over the past three years as we've created our own sausages and led to me, my opinion is, as we've kind of led a lot of the creative sausage making, at least in Houston, if not in all of Texas, we weren't the first, we're not the last, we're not the best. Don't get me wrong. My head's not that big, but you know, from, from chicken enchilada sausage, which I brought to some, some very, well-known barbecue joints to sample it, and then they went out and started making sausage. They weren't even doing sausage until I started sampling some of that, and then we did a, a Cubano sausage. I mean, there's there's sausages that we're very, very proud of, and they weren't easy to come by. This wasn't just like, like I said, this wasn't just throw some random meats into a casing and hope for the best.
0: Right, and the the hours of research and trial and error that went into Pretty much every sausage we've ever made is kind of extensive. Um, from from the point of us literally going to restaurants and trying specific dishes to try to nail down every single individual flavor. Going to other
1: states. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for for <laughs> for for the hatch chili. You know, for the chicken enchilada, hatch chili, chicken enchilada sausage. Literally, you know, is part of my work. But but literally going to New Mexico, eating hatch chilies, eating the flat enchiladas out there. And, and really understanding kind of the flavors and, and what goes on, and then coming back and trying to incorporate that into a sausage.
0: Yeah, it, it's sausage has become a really popular thing to get creative with, and we are probably the biggest champions of that you'll ever find. We love seeing the creativity in the sausage world, especially when it relates to barbecue. But we, we like it when it when it's something that clearly has some thought and some personal reasoning behind it. And that's something that we always wanted to try to bring to to our game as we try to make our own sausages is not just to throw a bunch of ingredients into a casing and call it something because that was the cool thing to do. We wanted to make it as authentic as we could. I mean, the chicken enchilada sausage, we made our own enchilada sauce. We incorporate their tea is we try to make it as authentic and as all-encompassing as we could and we're not the only ones i mean the, the list of people that are making great authentic sausage is long and varied and and we go to all these places and we love their sausages but it's been something that's been a huge passing project for us and we've really we, we, tried we to even do it threw right.
1: a sausage festival yeah
0: um, <laughs>
1: you know i mean how big it came with with nick rama and and tales from the pits together we put on sausage wars here in houston and and we're so thankful for all the people that came both from the vendor side i mean it, it was amazing the lineup that we had i thought was incredible um from the people that brought in the sausage they were serious they brought really good sausages um and the people that attended you know this is this is what's going on in texas you know we we've talked about kind of brisket fatigue and we're not going to run on that a lot right now but but sausage has a, a huge amount of creativity and it can be very simple, and it can be very complex. And we also love very simple sausages. I mean, oh yes, our Southside's all beef sausage is probably one of our favorites. It's one
0: of my favorite bites in barbecue, yeah. brisket, ribs, whatever you want. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to eat. Um, we we just posted recently about Louis Miller sausage. I love Louis Miller sausage, whether it's the the classic sausage that they make or some of the little more creative things that they've come up with over the years. Whether that's the Jalapeno sausage, the Hatch chili that that Wayne has done.
1: Well, the poblano, the poblano cheese, which he he introduced at yeah, the yeah, Sausage it's, Wars. Yeah, the Gouda <laughs> yeah. and yeah, the and the poblano Gouda. The, yeah. Oh
0: my gosh, it's it was an amazing sausage. One of my favorite things I ate at Sausage Wars, and and I know there have been talks that Wayne is going to start producing it uh, for the restaurant, hopefully regularly. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it it was a phenomenal sausage. You, you talk to anyone that went to that event. And it was it was one of the most memorable bites there. And it well, just, if we're
1: going to talk about the event in sausages, let's talk about the other the other people that won. So, oh, absolutely. So uh, the other the other one was is of course over the last year. Nobody can nobody that's in sausage or barbecue should really be surprised by this. But Tejas's chili Rieno sausage, I mean, yeah, just just came into the came into the world and just knocked everybody out.
0: Yeah, that, that sausage is just incredible. Every time I eat it, I'm just reminded of just. How phenomenal it is. I mean, everything, it, it hits on every single thing you want a piece of meat to be, whether that's whether that's the cheese that's in it, the the little bit of spice that you get from the poblano. I mean, it's just such a well-made sausage, and everyone that eats it comes away impressed. And so cheesy. Like, yeah. so cheesy. I mean, it's oh. one of those things that, I mean, as, as you get hype in, in barbecue— it's hard for things to live up to that hype. The more you hear about it, the harder it is to live I, up. to I was those actually craving that
1: sausage this week, and and I I was bad because I forgot to remind somebody to grab me a link this <laughs> week. But um, but I, I will go probably in the next in the next six days. I will probably get some. Um, the other one is Smokin' Z's. So, yeah. um, you know, we were we were big fans of Smokin' Z's when they first started on the scene, and they they came to Sausage Fest and they actually won with
0: yeah with the I think we call it Nacho Mama's sausage or Nacho Mama's, Mama's breakfast Mama's sausage and yeah. a- and it was it was a breakfast burrito sausage for lack of a better term that had some egg in it had some it was a teresa based sausage and it was just phenomenal I mean it was just that creativity but Creativity can go, can skew more towards the gimmicky side if you go too far with things. And we've been guilty of that, too, in times. where
1: Spaghetti, we, we won't do a spaghetti sausage. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, there you know, there, but,
0: there are some things that are just more gimmick than they are quality, but but Smoke and Z's absolutely nailed it with the, you know, there there's it was whimsical, it was delicious. Whimsical. It, it, yeah.
1: that's That's a pretty... Okay, interesting, yeah. interesting I, name. Don't
0: ask me to spell it, but I can no, say no, it. No, 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 I got you, I got you. Yeah. But it, it hit on all those points, and it was Whimsical a phenomenal sausage. sausage. Yeah. Sorry, I just, it, it was great.
1: Yeah. No, it really was. And and those kids down there are doing great. Uh, Zaid and Mallory, um, keep an eye on them as they as they continue on. They've done several other flavors, and, and they're still working on it. Um, and and we don't want to dwell on that too much, but um, we love what's going on in the in the sausage world right now. We love the creativity. Um, we love the different meats and, and, you know, we're big fans of really pushing the different proteins. So, um, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about ourselves. It's okay. We try not to make this about us, but, you know, chicken and turkey sausages. I mean, we're the first turkey sausage that really turned me on was Vince O'Mears. Um, although Inman's in Llano I've heard is also really good, but that was the first like non beef and pork sausage that really surprised me.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the the classic Ventil Maris turkey sausage from Taylor Cafe. Um, it's pretty simple, straightforward sausage. There, it's a classic beer and barbecue joint. They don't do a whole lot of fancy things. It's a few ingredients and in all their sausages, and that's it. But it was really well made, and and seeing those different things, and to me, the pioneer of Hell, craft Barbecue, forget sausage, is Tom McElwade. And he's one of the ones that's also brought in different proteins into sausage. That's the lamb, yeah. The lamb yeah. marguet sausage that he's done. Uh, he, he's done a lot of really interesting things with sausage. And, I mean, just taking it forward to modern day and people that are doing things today. I mean, uh, Brian Bingham over at Bodacious is doing creative sausages every day. And just the stuff that you're seeing now, it's it's fun for us to watch all this stuff explode and change. Um, we still love the classic stuff, and we want to take it back to a little bit of sausage history in this episode and kind of talk to you about kind of how sausage started. I mean, we, if, if you've listened to enough of our episodes, you kind of know the appreciation we have for Texas barbecue history and the history of sausage making and as it pertains to you know, salvaging meats that might be going bad and curing them, smoking them, and and preserving them as much as you can. And that's how a lot of sausage started. A lot of the classic sausages that we still love today, Kreitz Market, City Market and Luling, um, Smitty's, you know, the, the the classic Central Texas places that have the Czech and German backgrounds, all started from a preservation standpoint before refrigeration was possible. So let's go into a little bit of that, Brian.
1: Before refrigeration, way before the, the craft of sausage became an art. And a, a lot of it, if you boil it down, no pun intended, but if you bring it down to the most simplest point— it is meat and salt and that's it and in general from the past it was also put into a casing because again they were preserving the entire carcass and so they had the they literally had the the uh, casing and so you know if the intestines were used as the outside of the sausage they stuffed that with whatever was left and so in, in the olden olden days if you will, it was very offal. It was it was a lot of uh, a lot of heart meat and a lot of liver meat. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, very flavorful to some people, but also very yeah, off to the, the
0: things yeah. you couldn't sell on a market. I mean, heck, the word sausage itself comes from the Latin word of salsus, which it means salted, which is basically a meat that you would salt to preserve. And that's that's where sausage started. And right. uh, you know, and, and as we get into the you know, the era of box beef that's come along in the last fifty years or so where you can order individual cuts, it's kind of gone away a little bit and we, we kind of lost that that history and art of sausage making. But that's where sausage started and even boudin from that point. You know, boudin started as okay, we have a little bit of leftover rice, we have a little bit of leftover meat. What the heck can we do with it? Here we go. Stuff it into a casing, boom, you got boudin.
1: And and it was very it it was the recipes were also Varied, so um, I I know that I've read a lot of stuff um, about. I think John Fulllove at Kreitz, which was you know where Smitty's is located, but it was called Kreitz back then. Um, that you know the the recipe, the ratio of pork to fat was whatever they had that day. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so there, there wasn't
0: a nailed down recipe yeah. for sausage for a long time.
1: And you know, and and what we're talking about, and what we'll focus on. There's a number of different types of sausages, and I'm not going to run through this this entire list that I've got written down and descriptions. Fresh, cooked, cooked, smoked, uncooked, smoked, dry, semi—and there, there's other—there's creative as well. But what we're really talking about— Part of the about- reason
0: he won't run through it is because he spilled Blanton's on some of it, <laughs> and he can't read all of it.
1: <laughs> there's multiple reasons why I can't read. Um, Johnny can't read. Isn't that like a— Saturday afternoon special on ABC. <laughs> Hashtag, the more you know. Anyway, um, so, um, no, I just, I just don't want to bore people with the different types of sausage. Um, bore. Get it? Get it? Get it? Get it? Boar sausage. Okay. Um, or but, sad. you know, we're, n- we're not going to talk about emulsified. Emulsified sausages are where it becomes more of a paste. That's like a bologna or a hot dog. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about cured sausages that are meant to be eaten, like, at room temperature. What we're talking about is raw meat. That we put into a casing and then we we cook it and and eat it
0: yeah well what we're going to get into is your your typical barbecue sausages we'll expand a little bit into the creativity as we go along but what we kind of want to give everybody as much as we can in a limited amount of time is just a little bit of a background on sausage making um, equipment wise what you would need at least to get started and we'll go into a little more of the advanced type and of equipment we're you gonna need try as well. to, and
1: we're going to try to split this between you know the the home guy that that wants to make sausage as an experiment in his house versus the commercial business that wants to get away from you know pre-made commercial sausage and that's we're going to try to keep the balance between the two and that's that's going to be tough but um, the the first thing is really around the casings and so you know you can use beef casings which are very large hog casings which are kind of in the middle that's what's most common or sheep casings which are much smaller. And, and and you can also use artificial casings, and again for things like bologna and such, they use the artificial casings that you have to peel off. Uh, but really, the the casings that we love are the hog casings. Uh, there's different sizes of hog casings, and and we have really came down to a little bit smaller size than most people. So, like 32, 35 to 38 is kind of popular. We're actually yeah, and using. And we're
0: talking when we talk 35 to 38, we're talking about diameters. Yes, millimeters. Yep.
1: Um, we, are actually liking the smaller size ourselves because it allows us to give a, um, a, a longer sausage with, it, it cooks better in my opinion, and it's a longer sausage. It fits if you want to throw it in a bun or throw it in a, in a piece of bread without just being this giant fatty short sausage.
0: Right. And that all comes down to as well. When we, when we talk about the transition from making it for personal use to making it from a commercial restaurant standpoint, obviously if you're selling by the link, by the pound, that's going to change how you want to stuff, make, smoke, serve your sausage. Um, but just just getting into a little bit of, of how we've personally come to a preference. Um, yeah, it gives us the ability, majority of the pop-ups that we do, we serve meat plates, we don't serve by the pound, just for speed of service more than anything else. But it allows us to give a, you know, if someone orders a two meat plate and they want brisket and they want sausage, It gives us an easier way to give a a good amount of sausage without cutting into four different links. You
1: can give somebody a whole link and it's only around a quarter pound. So the the 30 to 32 millimeter, you can do a quarter pound link of sausage for like six inches and that's a normal looking size piece of sausage um, versus these giant ones that we're seeing more often. And and that's entirely up to the business, but um, where you get your casings, you know, we we are huge fans, uh, for many reasons, of World Casing. Greg Mueller and World Casing has hooked us on to a quality casing, and Absolutely. we've used and, others.
0: And, and, and let's be clear, and let's be straightforward. we, They are not a sponsor of this show. Um, some people may think that, just because we talk about them a lot. They are not a sponsor of the show. We truly talk about them because we have used their casings, and we've used other companies' casings, and we have found theirs to be the superior product without fail pretty much every time we've made sausage. And we're just huge fans of what World Casing produces. The Their casings are consistent.
1: Uh, when, I, when I run on of casings, I really get upset.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and we've just been huge fans of the casings that, that we've gotten from from Greg and from World Casing Core. And we're we're just happy with the product that they've provided. So, yes, just to be clear, full disclosure, we have been paid $0 for that. We just enjoy using their product, and we've had really good results with their products.
1: And, and, and I mean, I, I don't want to go on too far on this. But you know, we we will do. I mean, we just did ten pounds of of pork sausage without a single blowout with that yeah. casing. Fifteen I mean,
0: pounds. We did two batches. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But I
1: mean, yeah. The the whole first. But we did one whole yeah. casing from end to end, and didn't have a single blowout. We twisted it up. I mean, it it's and didn't have a blowout the whole time. So, it's really good stuff. They're 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 sturdy, but yet when you cook them, and we'll talk about the reasons why and how you can make them cook well, um, they do well. If you can't get world casing, number one, look for your local supplier. So, you know, you, don't, you can go to Greg, you can go to your local representative, but they also sell them at some of the, the meat supplier companies. Um, but if you can't get that, if you're just a, a, a normal guy that's only going to do five pounds of sausage, you know, go to your local sausage company and see if they can get them. If they can't get them, um, really the, the, the next best, and, and another one is good is Deweed, Deweed Works. Um, the ones that I've really just had bad luck with, to be honest, are the limb, the, the casings that you can buy, like at Academy surplus, yeah. um, I've, I've just really had problems with them.
0: Yeah. And part of, I mean, part of that is, is user error too. I mean, we, we've, we've learned from experience and from making these mistakes over the years in, in our sausage process and, you know, but the most consistent one obviously has been world casing. Um, let's talk a little bit about equipment and, and the equipment that we've started with and, and kind of what people can start with when they're starting to learn sausage.
1: Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, to be honest, I think there's a lot of myths around what you need to do to make sausage. And um, the first thing is put your KitchenAid mixer away. Um, just don't use it. <laughs> um, if you want to grind sausage, you can, you can buy pre-ground meat. And if you want to experiment with sausage, you can buy pre-ground meat. And you can buy 80-20 beef at the store any day of the week, freshly ground. If like, I don't know, maybe we're just lucky, but HEB has fresh ground, not the, not the tubes. Yeah. But, but freshly ground meat.
0: Yeah. If you're living in, in Texas, then you, you probably have pretty easy access to an HEB. HEB does have fresh ground meats. Um, and then almost all their meats have a fat to meat ratio. And, and if you're doing an all beef sausage or mostly beef sausage, look for those 80, 20 uh, ground chuck is, is pretty common. You'll see a lot. Um, and a lot of times especially if you go to the same grocery store every week you might develop a relationship with your butcher and if you do have a, a decent relationship with the people working at the meat counter a lot of times they will grind something for you and, and they will they will help you with those things or cut pork steaks but that's a different episode but that, yeah that's right? a different episode we, <laughs> but they know, will. yeah we, yeah, we they never do. talk about pork steak uh, <laughs> but yes going going back to sausage yeah a lot of times they will help you out with that but yes you can buy the already ground freshly ground meats um,
1: i i bought i buy ground pork i mm-hmm. bought ground ground turkey i bought I've bought ground chicken and i bought ground beef to play with recipes. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to do it without having to buy a meat grinder.
0: Yeah, especially when you're first starting out, you're first trying to you know do your foray into it. Now, the one thing that you cannot do on your own without some piece of equipment is you have to have some form of a stuffer.
1: And do not use, I already said it, but do not use the, the KitchenAid stuffer attachment. It just doesn't work as well as what you need. You, you really have a couple of choices. You can use what's called a horn stuffer. And a horn stuffer just uses sheer brute force, it's shaped like a horn, so if you think of like a a Viking horn or the drinking horn or whatever yeah, people like, use
0: yeah like a Thanksgiving cornucopia thing on the <laughs> middle of your table. yeah,
1: yeah, you're too old for that. <laughs> um, kids don't know about that these days uh but but they don't work very well because it 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 just doesn't work well um it, look i I just I looked online last night um I was actually pretty shocked because I probably would have bought this northern tool which is kind of like the Target version of Harbor Freight. Yeah. Um, they have a, a five-pound meat, meat stuffer for 99 bucks um and they always have $20 off coupons and all that stuff so so there's there's really you know you can make that investment and if you really don't get into it you can sell it for half of what you bought for yeah. it's not bad but well, that's the way one to go. For the
0: barbecue novices that's already experimenting with brisket and pork butts and things like that you, you know if you're if you're doing those modern practices of trimming you might even have these types of trimmings already oh, yeah. from, from the way you're shaping and trimming your briskets or your pork butts or your ribs or what have you you can use a lot of those trimmings, and it's a good way to to get the most out of your money or the best bang for your buck. If you're already, you know, smoking pork butts on your weekends, smoking briskets on your weekends, and you've got all these trimmings, and you're you're trying to foray into sausage making, if you've got stuffer, you have some of this beef already left over, some of this brisket, you can make a a beef pork blend sausage and start to experiment with these different recipes and, and just basics and getting the basics of sausage making. And it down. is
1: meat, salt, and a casing is yeah. all you really need to start with. And, and the other spices are optional, to be honest. Uh, I certainly like pepper. I like paprika. I like garlic. But but at a minimum, meat, salt, and a casing is all you really need. Um, and salt ratio is very important. So 2% by weight. Uh, and one of the things that maybe you've read online or not but, you know, if you look at kosher salt and you look at table salt and you look at sea salt, all of those, when you weigh them out, have a different amount by the volume. So one of the things that we have switched to that's been very critical, there's a few things and we'll talk about those later. But one of the things that's probably the most critical, in my opinion, is weighing out the salt. And ideally, you know, you want to weigh out all of your ingredients. You don't just want to use like you don't want to use one pepper. You want to understand how much that weighs you don't want to use one onion you want to understand yeah. how much that i mean
0: weighs it's so. a universal way to to standardize your recipes oh. you know if you start to get those fat contents down by weight those meat contents those seasoning contents down by weight it's something you can transfer to to anything that you do and we've got we have our rubs our rubs that we use on brisket our rubs that we use on our pork ribs pork butts we have all that transition to weight and a lot of the barbecue restaurants that you all go to and love and enjoy They've done the same processes over the years. Is is converting everything to by weight. You know, when it comes to a commercial standpoint, that makes it you know easier to right. to try to so much easier to train, train. new people yeah. on. When you can train them by weight, all they have to do is have a scale. They know how many grams per you know per pound of salt they need, how many grams of pepper per pound they need, and it just makes it a whole lot easier to 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 introduce new people to your product. As
1: I was reading, one of the one of the people that first turned me on to that concept was really Evan Leroy. Um, Evan and Chris McGee, when they were at, when they were at Friedman's were doing some great stuff with sausage. And I, I like the King ranch chicken sausage was one of the ones that inspired me a lot. I went to the Austin sausage Kings and they did a chicken wing sausage and they did a pepperoni pizza sausage. Uh, but, but talking with them a lot and, and reading, it was about using weights rather than volume. And a, again, things weigh different based on how dense it is. I mean, it's yeah. basic physics. So um, you, you should do by weight. I generally, if you don't do anything else by weight, at least do your salt by weight because it's so critical to making sausage.
0: Yeah, and, and while we're on the topic of uh, Mr. Evan Leroy, one of our favorite people in barbecue, um, one of the resources that, that really helped us out in the early days of our sausage making was an article that Evan did an interview with uh, Daniel Vaughn regarding sausage uh, back in his Freedman's days. Um, it's easy to find if you want to google it, you can google sausage making Friedman style. that's f r e e d m e n apostrophe s Friedman style or even if you just Google Evan Leroy, Daniel Vaughn barbecue sausage, it'll probably come up. But uh, Evan does give some basic recipes and ratios that you'll see in that in that article that are really helpful and really give you a, a good foundation in things. and uh, yes, Evan and Chris McGee and the whole Friedman's crew of back in the day were were some of the people that really got us introduced and, into and sausage.
1: i have to get obviously I have to get a shout out to keenan goldie's uh keenan the little kid that he was at the time and he he just really blew my mind with sausage he did it he did a um apple pie sausage that i figured would taste like it was just an apple pie stuffed in a casing it was not um and it just blew my mind as to where sausage could go um so thank you keenan for that obviously evan Uh, many others but but it 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 just took this concept of sausage from just a simple sausage which is perfectly fine like we said we love simple sausage but also how creative you can be and that's a great thing
0: right and a lot of that brings it back to where you know you have to have that foundation down before i mean it's so tempting when you first get into whole barbecue things it's so tempting to want to just go crazy with it because one of the things we love about sausage is it is that blank canvas to do so many creative things. Easy with the pasta. But, but you've got to have those fundamentals down. You have to know your fat to meat to salt ratios. Those are the most important things to know. And once you get those down, then that blank canvas really opens up for you where you can start to do those crazy things that, that a Chris might, McGee might do or that a Keenan Goldies might do. And, and in you know, to obviously a much, much more humble and lesser extent that, that we've done.
1: Um, one of my favorites is a chicken and waffle sausage. and And incorporating the waffles and how you how you're able to incorporate that with a texture without just making it some kind of emulsified mess is, is part of the beauty of sausage.
0: Yeah. And, and again, again, once you have those fundamentals down, it becomes easier to do those creative things. So really, study, learn, and start with the simple things. start, just make a simple beef and pork blend. make a simple, pork jalapeno cheddar blend where you know i mean well, just, well, not even cheddar let's, yeah you you let's, let's add let's back the cheddar it down right away yeah, yeah. So let,
1: let's you, you know i was going to save this for later but let's just throw it in the middle of the episode or the end of the first episode who knows i, I don't know how how you're going to edit this we'll figure this okay, out i can't wait to find out yeah <laughs> i can't either um actually i can um but but you know let, let's talk about so at a simple level to me the most important things are about a two percent ratio of salt and then your fat content i actually you know, I as, as long as I love the old school sausages that have a lot of fat, but I also like a little less. Uh, to me, like a 15 to 20 percent fat ratio is is pretty phenomenal. Um, I don't like to go too crazy. You know, you can get up to 30 percent. Um, definitely, some of the old school places did a lot. Uh, but that that's one of the key things: the salt, which I just mentioned, and then I'm I'm going to talk about uh, powdered milk. And so powdered milk. Non-fat dairy milk, dry powdered milk. There's a number of ways to do it. You'll buy at the store. They come in packets of about 3.2 ounces each. Um, This is a huge thing. It it helps bind the sausage. It helps encapsulate the proteins. There's a lot of science to this that's probably way above my head. But I I would say the number one thing that I've learned in sausage making is don't skip this step. A lot of people do. Um, And what you'll wind up with is a crumbly sausage, or a sausage where the meat and the fat are separated and it just, you got grease and you got fat and you don't have a sausage. And so it's a very simple thing to add and it, it doesn't make your sausage taste like milk. It's dry powdered milk. Um, so let's let's talk about kind of the, the base recipe. We're going to give somebody, we're going to give everybody that's listening a starter recipe. And then you can add anything you want to this recipe. But this is a good core recipe. It's also... Intentionally, this is a very cheap recipe. This this can be as cheap as fifty cents a link,
0: people. Yeah. Yeah. If if you want to get a little more expensive with it, a little more creative with it, I mean that that's your choice. But just just to give you a little base recipe that that we've used over the years that kinda given us a, a good start. Um, is a, it's a this is a simple pork sausage no cheese in it now again if you want to add a little bit different flavors in it you can change the ratio to make it a little bit pork to beef that's up to you but this is the recipe we're going to give you guys and this is based on a five pound meat ratio of sausage um, we're going to start with five pounds of pork so you can start with a pork shoulder just five pounds of pork shoulder don't you know it's it's tempting especially we have that big fat cap on the top of the shoulder to trim a ton of it off don't trim too much of it off. You want to have yeah, I'll a trim good a mix little of it. Bit. Yeah. I'll,
1: I'll trim not the hard fat, yeah. but as you as you cut through, you might get that kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, sinewy fat, the stringy yeah. fat, um, or the kind of flappy, I don't know what you call it, but you use silver skin. Some people call it silver skin, which is a completely different type, but any of that that you come across, trim out, but that nice, thick fat cap that's on the top, leave that.
0: Yeah, leave most of that hard fat on. Um, but yes, you're going to go five pounds of pork, preferably shoulders, what we'd recommend, um and then you want about 1.6 ounces of kosher salt um uh, which is going to end up being about a 2% ratio by weight by weight this is a by this, weight this is ra- this ratio. is the one
1: key thing again by weight not just 2 ounces in a in a jar right. we're talking about 2 ounces by weight
0: and, and this next this next ingredient is we will omit mostly for color more than anything else and if you you know and it does lend some flavor to it as well and if you want to dial it back a little bit you can uh, but we recommend 4 tablespoons of paprika on there
1: and and really sweet smoked Hungarian paprika.
0: Yeah, you don't want the hot and spicy paprika because that's gonna le- end a whole you know lend a whole lot of spice. And, and you to don't, the you don't you don't want
1: like we, we actually don't mind Fiesta spices for some things, but this is one place where I get really picky and I buy really high quality paprika that is imported usually from Spain or Hungary. But it's it's <laughs> like the sweet smoked paprika. Yeah. It really does make a difference.
0: Yeah, and then from there you want three tablespoons of minced garlic. Uh, we prefer using fresh garlic and mincing it ourselves. Whether that's if you want to do that through a food processor, hand chopping—that's up to you. We hand chop. Uh, we we do hand chop. Um, now, obviously, if you're doing it in much larger ratios, you may want to change that a little bit. But we do prefer the the fresh chopped garlic as opposed to like a canned chopped garlic.
1: But you do use a less. You have to be careful because the fresh garlic is so potent. Yes. And 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 admittedly, what's great about sausage is that you can really overdo this cook garlic and it doesn't kill the sausage but you might burp for hours afterwards (laughs) Um, so you know the the amount of garlic is up to you but this is what we prefer
0: right so there you go you've got your five pounds of pork 1.6 ounces by weight of salt four tablespoons paprika three tablespoons of minced fresh garlic one tablespoon of crushed black pepper that you're, you can use it through a grinder if you've got already ground black pepper you don't want the the course that you're using on your brisket grade black pepper you don't really want to bite into that on a sausage or at least we we typically don't um so we maybe, call it a medium yeah coarse, like, like a medium or grind or black pepper one whatever tablespoon that means, but yeah we call it medium um it, you do want you have to have a liquid in your sausage you need to have something that and, and we'll get into this a little more as we talk about the processes as you're mixing your ingredients and getting ready to stuff your sausage you do want to have there's a certain feel you want to have to your sausage as you're as you're mixing that together and and liquid helps with that it can be as simple as water it could be we've used pickle juice in, in certain recipes. Um, we've used you know a- a sauce in certain recipes if we're depending on what type of sausage you're trying to make.
1: I mean, I and, and we've used maple syrup uh, for the chicken and waffles, and, and again, we're not going to give away too many <laughs> too many secrets, but but this is where I think you really should extend yourself because water is water, right? Think yeah. about think about you're taking your meat, your sauces. I mean your meat and your seasonings, and you're just gonna douse it with water. Why douse mm-hmm. it with water? Use wine. Yeah. Use other. Use other. Yeah, and I mean yeah.
0: water's perfectly fine. It's not gonna ruin your recipe. But yes, if you want to lend more unique flavors and 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 characteristics to your sausage, then yes, you can use different things. We we recently we just made a batch today where we literally use topo chico as our liquid. Um, but, yes, you we'll want to use... We'll see how that works out. We'll see, Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we, we used uh, two ounces of liquid. That's what we're recommending in this recipe. Yeah, two ounces
1: to five pounds.
0: Two ounces to five pounds. And we'll go over this again at the end. Don't worry. And then, the, you know, the packets of powdered milk that we're using, we recommend using a half packet of powdered milk per five pounds of meat that you're using. So there you go. We'll repeat this again just so you have one simple recipe to follow. Five pounds of pork butt. ounces by weight of salt, four tablespoons of paprika, three tablespoons of minced fresh garlic, one tablespoon of medium grind black pepper, two ounces of liquid, a half a packet of powdered milk.
1: And let us know what you make with this. Show us some pictures. Tell us about it. Tell us if you don't like it. Tell us what you add. I mean, but this is to us, this is a very good core recipe. It's a cheap recipe he said, you're going to make links for, for 50 $0.75 cents a link. Right, and, um, and now that great. we've
0: given them the link, or the link, the, now that we've given them the recipe, we should probably tell them how to cook it.
1: Yeah, so, well, you know, well. Because um, that would be
0: kind of messed up if we didn't.
1: Yeah, so uh, so we'll go, we'll, and we'll come back to why what, what makes a good sausage. But to us, there's a three-day kind of turnaround time for sausage. Um, and you can shorten this down a little bit, but there's there's a few key things that we we think are important. The first day, you want to grind the meats and mix and add your dry seasonings, and you let it set overnight. You let those seasonings kind of blend into the meat.
0: Right now, if you're, you know, if if you don't have a grinder, if you're starting from the beginning, like we talked about earlier, and you're buying the already ground meats, then obviously that's a, ske- a step that you can skip a little bit. If you're buying the already ground meats, you want to add your seasonings you know that day and let them sit overnight and let those seasonings get nice and and happy with the with the meat.
1: On day two. You want to find it, you, it's time to start to stuff the sausage. And so the other thing, you want to soak the casings. Um, you take the casings, you wash them out, you flush them out. Um, I prefer a, a, a little shot of lime juice in there as well, which supposedly helps softens them. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just something I do. Uh, but, but you let that sit for a minimum of an hour or so, and you let that just sit in a bowl of water. I use warm water. Gets gets tepid after a little bit of time. Um, and then you add your remaining seasonings, which include your, to me, I add the powdered milk and the liquid the second day. I don't do the pow- even though we talked about dry seasonings. And, and same yeah.
0: thing with cured salt. If you're using a curing salt, and, and a lot of people, especially if you're not going to be smoking and serving the sausages that same day, you'll want to use a curing salt. Um, from, a, from a food safety standpoint, it helps with the longevity of the of the sausage blend.
1: So mix all that together well don't don't over mix things so it's kind of like it's kind of like flour and bread the, you can get to a point where you over mix things and remember that your hands are hot um, so the, you don't want to just you kind of want to fold things in that's kind of how i do things, I yeah, fold things
0: you want to have these ingredients not frozen at all in any way shape or form but you do want to have them cold when you start you know if you have the ground meat you want the ground meat to come straight out of the fridge to your mixing process
1: And and for the liquids, you know, I I usually start a little bit less than the recipe calls for. I mix it together, and then and then what I'm looking for is when I lift my hand up, I'm looking for some of the meat to stick to my hand, kind of like a batter. I don't don't know how else to call it, but uh, I'm looking for that. And so
0: it's like a tacky stickiness that that you feel in your hand, and a lot of it comes with experience, and it just comes with doing it over and over and over again. But yet you'll see it. And I'm sure you can probably Google 50 different videos of people making sausage and you'll probably see this as well. Just be careful. But y- yeah, you could see a lot of things you don't want to see, but, but yes, aside from the Ron Jeremy videos, you might find y- you. You'll also want to see the, uh, a- as you're mixing it. Yes. You want to see it sticking to, hopefully you're using a gloved hand, especially if you're going to be serving this stuff. Not people. Hopefully you should be. Using well, a yeah. Hand, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't make people do anything, but yes, use a <laughs> gloved hand, please. Um, but yes, when you're when you're mixing your, your seasonings together with the meat, you, you want to feel a little bit of that tackiness of the meat and the mixture sticking to your hand a little bit. And it shouldn't completely stick to your hand and not fall back into the bin you're mixing in, but you do want to feel a little bit of stickiness, tackiness to it as you're mixing together.
1: Yep. And when, once you get that, then it's time to stuff. You put it in your stuffer, you run it through the stuffer, you, you stuff it in the casings um and and you let then then the important thing is you let that sit overnight so once you stuff it and once you twist the links and there's plenty of videos on how to twist a link then the the biggest probably the one of the single biggest things and we'll talk about the biggest things we've heard in just a moment but one of the single biggest things that's changed our life making sausage is letting those twisted stuffed sausages sit overnight
0: yes you, you need those casings to really dry out as much as possible and, and this is critical and, and, and m-
1: sausage is weird because there's times where you want it to be moist and there's times you want it to be soft, uh, dry and then there's times when want it to be moist there's actually like it, it's kind of crazy because it starts by soaking them so you want them super moist, then you dry them, then you start them cooking kind of kind of moist dish, then you dry them out, and then before you're done you you get them moist again it's kind of crazy
0: yeah it's a little bit of a goofy process but yes you definitely need to have that time once you've once you've stuffed and twisted the links you need to let them sit refrigerated for 24 hours preferably um, until the casings have had a chance to dry out and that's when your cooking process actually starts it would be the following day after you've stuffed and let that those casings and you know these stuffed sausages sit in their fridge overnight
1: so on day three, it's it's a it's a cook. You smoke them, um, and we'll talk about a little bit like our biggest tips. But you smoke them through the process. Once they're done, then you can vacuum seal them. If you're going to eat them that day, if you're going to eat them the next day, that's okay. But if you if you're not going to eat them within 24 hours, you need to vacuum seal them and or freeze them. So we'll talk about that as far as the most important things we've learned about making sausage. But um, essentially the I mean, you might be able to squeeze this down into a two-day process, but for us, um, because we, we do a lot of fresh ingredients, um, it, it really is a three-day process to just to cook and eat the sausage. Um, and, that's, and that's just the way it should be done.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing that we honestly struggled the most with when we started making sausage were, we wanted, we've had so much good sausage just from going to all these different barbecue joints over the years that we've gone to. We wanted our sausage to be as, you know, quote unquote, perfect as all the barbecue joints that we loved and to be frank it wasn't you know the first the first few batches of sausage we made you know either the flavor would be there but the casings would be a mess C- or, casings
1: were probably the single hardest uh, thing for uh, us we, to we, nail we down. struggled
0: yeah. and we you know we banged our head against the wall for the longest time of why can't you know why isn't everything as perfect as we want it to be and you know we're trying so hard we're doing this we're doing that and, and, and you know it's just trial and error is a lot of this but one of the things that we that we learned along the way and then part of that casing drying out process that we just told you about is is making sure if you want the casing to be that perfect snappy casing it starts with that drying out process you can't skip it it's got to be done and then from there it starts with the the temperatures that you cook the sausage at and the processes in which you cook them with.
1: Yeah, this is the thing that, that Andrew and I argued about the most early on when we were making sausage was, um, to me, the the sausage cooking process is completely different from any other barbecue meat that you're going to cook. Um, and it, it's very critical that first hour to cook at a low temp um, because what, what, as far as what I've read and what it's talked about, it's called setting the batter. And if you think about it kind of like a batter... What you want to do is you want to, you want to set the meat, you don't want to overcook it, and you want to make it stick to the casing. And so in order to do that, you need to cook it at a pretty low temperature. So the first hour is really surprisingly low. For me, I try to keep it as close to 150 as I can for the first hour.
0: Yeah, and then just gradually increasing the temperature as you go along. Now, you want to have the sausage completely cooked in a four-hour time frame. But you want to start really low, gradually bring it up, gradually bring it up, and then you can finish it around the 2 to 2.25-ish range. Wouldn't go much higher than that if you don't have to as, you know, as much as possible. And then once you finish it, and this is a very critical step and something that we we eventually got to that point, but once you finish your sausage, once your sausage gets to the temperature that you need it to be at, it's time to shock the crap out of it.
1: And, and to be honest, just before that, um greg mueller was one of the ones that was like huge on this spritzing so before we shock it so so you get it up to an internal temperature depending on the meat that you're using 155 160 right around there um then you you, about the last 30 to 45 minutes we spritz it we just take a water bottle plain water nothing else fancy spritz it get it coated with with water um, on the outside of the casing, but let the internal meat continue to cook until you hit that internal temperature. As soon as you hit that internal temperature, whatever that is that you want it to hit, as Andrew said, you shock it. And so what we use is a big bucket or a bowl or a vat of ice water. We pull the sausage right out of the right out of the cooker, throw it in the ice water.
0: Yeah, and the, what, what it helps to do is it helps to shrink and constrict the casing, taut with the meat, to where you don't have that, and a lot of times, and you'll see this in a lot of old school sausage places. Even and it, a lot of times, it's really good sausage. It has a really shriveled up, wrinkled looking sausage.
1: Nobody wants a shriveled up wrinkled <laughs> sausage.
0: But once you once you got that sausage cooked, that internal temp that you need, that's when you pull it out. You shock it, and what that helps to do is that it helps to shock the casing. Keep shock
1: it, the casing. Shock the casing tonight
0: yeah sure yeah. Um, so so then yes it, it it helps prevent those wrinkles on the sausage you don't have to keep it in the, the ice bath for long I mean we're talking 30 seconds to a minute here Pull you just out. want to stop the cook absolutely you stop yeah, you the cooking stop process the cook. and it's like and a lot of times if, if you've you know, followed enough cooking recipes over the years. I mean, you do the same thing with freaking green beans, people. Like, if you once you get that, that bright green color and green beans, a lot of times, a lot of recipes will tell you, pull them out of the boiling water or the saute pan and shock them, and you keep that color, don't keep cooking for longer. Same process with sausage, but a lot of times this comes down to the casing. You pull it out, you shock the casing, keep that casing taut and snappy with the sausage, pull it out, and, and then you're basically ready for service. Yeah.
1: And once, once you're done out of the, out of the ice bath, you want to cut the sausages apart, right, because you, you've still got them linked together. Um, you want to cut them apart, and then if you're not going to serve them within 24, 48 hours, you want to go ahead and vacuum seal them, and then if you're not going to serve them within three days, you want to freeze them. And here's the thing. If you, if you do everything that we just talked about, you can freeze sausages for a long time, and the casings are still quality.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a long process to get us to the point where we're happy with the sausages that we make. God, that's how how si- frustrated were we oh, my goodness! so long? Uh, uh, the yeah. amount of recipes that we went through and the amount of texts and discussions and everything that we went through over sausage recipes and ratios and this, that, and the other. I mean, we spent literally years on this. I mean, we, we talked about doing sausage making episodes before we started this show. We're 120 episodes in and two-plus years into doing yeah, we, this show. We didn't
1: want to do this until we really were comfortable with what we were doing, why we were doing it, right. how we were doing it. Um, and and, and I, I want to give some huge shout-outs. I mean, the a and Creative Sausage Making class is a great class to attend. It happens in, I think, January of every year. Um, it is a little different because it's not sponsored by Food Waste. Food Waste does great work with the, the brisket camp and the barbecue camp. This is, this is a pure A&M one.
0: Yeah, this is the Aggie Meat Science Department, uh, Dr. Sable, Dr. Uh, you know, Dr. David Griffin, Ray Riley, that whole crew you know, helps put this on. And, and, it's... and Wes
1: Osborne from the, the, from the sausage side. Um, and, w- and what's different about the creative sausage making is that you actually get, and I assume they're going to still do this, but you make 10 pounds of sausage. You make two different types of sausage, hands-on, and you take that sausage home with you. Um, which is very different than any of the other classes. So um, I I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things in there. Um, I I can't recommend it enough to people because it's such a hands-on class. Um, A huge shout-out to Eric Hamilton, who I met during the class, but I've seen him at some of the other ones as well, Um, and he's gone on to greater things. But it's it's a great way to experience it firsthand um, and really kind of get an idea, are you doing the right thing, are you doing the wrong thing, but use that as a leaping board onto something else. I mean, there's, like I said, the title of the class is Creative Sausage Making, but it's only the beginning.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we started out with some pretty simple, basic recipes. Uh, we've, we've grown and expanded because we just, we have a hard time sticking to one thing. Uh, we, really? Yeah. If you guys haven't noticed over the years, uh, we, we, we love to, to get into the, the creative aspect of a lot of this. And, and it's been so much fun for us to, to learn a lot about this. Um, one of the one of the books that we've heard throughout our travels and barbecue over the years, it, as a as a great research tool, is a book called Charcuterie, written by Michael Ruhlman. It's a book that John Lewis has uh, referenced on the show in in the past, and a lot of people off the record have referenced it to us as far as a a really good book to get down the fundamentals and the foundations of of sausage making. And it's been it has been so much fun for us to learn about sausage. We're still learning. We're- and
1: and we haven't done Boudin and we haven't done summer sausage intentionally because we really want to nail down the you know the cooked smoked sausage before right. we even try anything right. else.
0: Right. And, and a lot of yeah. these guys, I mean, for lack of a better term, they're heroes to us. Like the, the city markets and the you know the Elgins and, and Southside Market and Myers. I mean, uh, just, we-
1: the just the amount of sausage they do and as long as they've done it and and the skills that they have it's very impressive because we really respect the art of sausage making.
0: We've had a lot of fun learning about sausage and 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 just like I said, getting the fundamentals down in sausage making. It's been a long process for us, and again, I'm giving credit to Brian because Brian has dove so far into this rabbit hole to where I've learned a ton just by watching what Brian's done. Um, and it's been it's been fun to. To start getting these basics down, and we've been able to expand a little bit because we have those foundations in place. To doing the goofy stuff that we do, like the chicken, enchilada, And, and the I don't even think waffles. that's goofy. I mean, oh, it's I, goofy. No, I don't think that's. Yeah, goofy. Oh, it's I mean, definitely goofy. Like, I love like, it, but it's yeah. goofy. I
1: mean, come on, the Cubano
0: is legit. Yeah, the Cubano is fantastic. Yeah, if you if you guys aren't familiar and, with the Cubano sauce, lots of make. credit to
1: Andrew. And yeah. and we've got some ideas that we're working on. I mean, kind of the crazy thing is like we will take months and months and months <laughs> to come up with an idea for sausage because yeah. we, we've got to break it down to the elements and then we've got to make sure that we've got the elements right. And then we got to make sure that they fit right within the sausage. So, like I said, as an example, you don't just put pasta in a sausage. You've got to figure out how to incorporate the flavors to make it work right and you can't just throw shit in a a casing. Yeah. So so
0: we, that to me, that's the biggest thing I hope people take away from this episode is not just the fundamentals of sausage making, but as tempting as it is to just go crazy with the whole sausage thing. I mean, to me, and, and, and you and I have talked about this a lot off record. A lot of people just think of their favorite combo plate from their favorite restaurant and throw it into a casing. To me, that's, that's lazy. You, you've got to find out number one, does it make sense? Number two, does it work as a sausage? And from there, then you can start to develop the recipe. If it doesn't work, don't do it. There are so many things you can do with sausage. There's no reason to just make what I call a gimmick sausage. Make a sausage that makes sense, that tastes, tastes good. At the end of the day, all the crazy burnt end recipes and sausage recipes and goofy things that go on in modern Barbecue today, at the end of the day, do they taste good? That should be the first thought in your head. Does it taste good? If it doesn't taste good, then what the hell you are we want doing? Do you to put here? that
1: sausage in your
0: mouth? Thank you for listening. Thank hey, you.
1: make some sausage, you punks!
0: Yeah, make, make sausage. Let us know about the sausage you make. Yeah. We'd love to hear some feedback on this episode if it inspires you to make. Because we gave
1: you a recipe, and you know what? That, that's really a big deal for us. I mean, yeah, you know. we don't
0: give a lot of recipes on the show. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, this inspires you if you're not already starting your, your foray into sausage making. Hopefully, it inspires you to do Play so. Play with your sausages, people. Play with your links. Have a few drinks. Follow us on Instagram at Tales from the Pits, at uh, BBQ Podcast on Twitter. If you'd like to order one of our Lemon AM and Texas shirts, you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email us at Tales from the Pits at gmail.com. We'll be at you with more episodes in the coming weeks and months and we look forward to talking with you and we will do so next time.